Wednesday to you all, and we are officially back here on the Penn State Football Podcast. This is your host, Donnie Collins of the Scranton Times-Tribune, longtime Penn State football beat writer. It's been a while since I've been here, a couple months at least, since we kind of took the summer off to work on some other projects, take some vacation time. Uh, squeeze, squeezing some of that in is always a a challenge once Penn State football season starts because the work does not stop and the news does not slow down. So it's a it's an interesting time of year. We're very much looking forward to it. 2023 has potential to be a, a, a big one for Penn State. And we're going to start kind of previewing the season today on the on the podcast. Next week, we'll we'll get into the opener, which is September 2nd, which is next Saturday. Uh, Saturday night against West Virginia starting off really really strong today because we and here in my home studio we have one of those LED lights flickering I didn't even know LED lights could flicker but this one is definitely flickering and it's right in my line of vision here and it if, of all the lights in this room to flicker it's that one so little uh little distracted right now but definitely looking forward to talking some some Penn State football Big second segment coming up today. Our, our new colleague here at the at Time Shamrock, uh, down at the Citizens Voice, Sam Freeman, uh, covered Penn State last year for Onward State he's, as, a, as a student. Uh, now he's a professional, and we're going to expect a professional job out of him today in the, in the second segment uh, when he comes on to talk about some Penn State football, but he knows his stuff. Uh, it'll be a good conversation about a lot of different things uh, surrounding the Nittany Lions, and then we'll wrap the show up today a little bit later on we'll discuss some of the local players some of the guys who have ties to the scranton wilkesbury hazelton pottsville areas uh where you know time shamrock kind of has dug its talons into the local media scene so we'll, we'll get a, a little bit of a rundown on the local players uh my thoughts on where some of those guys are, are going to be playing this year what they're you know how much they're going to be playing, what kind of role they'll have. Guys like you know Tyler Elsden uh, down from the down from the Coal Region, Pottsville area, uh, North Schuylkill. You know he's a he's a guy who obviously has a chance to play a lot. So does J.B. Nelson from Lackawanna uh, along the offensive line. Uh, but how much will a guy like London Montgomery from Scranton Prep play in the Penn State backfield? That you know, that's something we'll discuss in the in the third segment. But we'll start off the show with the cursory discussion of the quarterback quote unquote battle. And and I call it a quote unquote battle because I really don't believe there is one. I I, I have to qualify this by saying quote I, I don't believe there is one. There's obviously a battle at every position. And and I know that's where James Franklin, when he says this stuff, goes. That's what he means. There's a battle at every position. Anybody could take anybody's job at any given point. And if it's not that way, you don't have a real depth chart. You don't have a real team. You don't have guys who are on the, who are third string, fourth string with any incentive to get better. You don't have any belief that it's going to lead to playing time, which is what everybody wants. That's the currency. Everybody talks about now how much money you can make through NIL, things like that. But the real currency in college football is still and always will be playing time. In that regard, can Trey Potts beat out Nick Singleton? Yeah, 100%. If Nick Singleton goes in and fumbles the ball four times a practice and Katron Allen fumbles the ball six times a practice or is running a 5-6-40 and Trey Potts is dominating, Trey Potts is going to play. Is that likely? No. No. You know, you don't expect Nick Singleton to not dominate. You don't expect Katron Allen to not have a, a strong enough fall camp to go out there and, and and earn his job that that everybody thinks he's going to to have this fall. And it's just, I mean, we've, we're seeing it at receiver because everybody, I, I think kind of when Dante Cephas came in as a, as a transfer and he was one of the biggest transfers at receiver in the, in all of the NCAA, I would say this fall, he was, he was a really sought after guy and everyone kind of just thought, oh, Cephas will be a starter. And I don't think Cephas has earned the starting job. From everything you hear, everything you see at practices, all that stuff, all the evidence mounting up, I would expect Omari Evans is going to start with Trey Wallace and Keandre Lambert-Smith at receiver. So there's a spot where, there, hey, there was a legit competition. A guy like Cephas did not win the job, perhaps. Maybe he will, ultimately. But so far, you know, if, if the season started 
in 10 minutes and not in 10 days, you could see Cephas being a guy coming off the bench. So, of course, any guy could overtake any other guy. And if Bo Prabula comes into camp and dominates camp and Drew Aller really struggles and doesn't look like he put the work in and doesn't look like he's got anywhere near the talent, naturally gifted ability to make plays that they think he does, then Bo Prabula will probably be the starter. But we haven't seen that. So, yeah, it, you're, you're looking at a, a scenario where Aller just has to probably come in, do his stuff, show that he put the time in, the effort in, uh, show that he's got a relationship with the offensive line or a poor with the receivers, and a handle on the offense. It's going to be very difficult for Bo Prabula or Jackson Smolik or whoever to go in and, and take the job from him. That's really the situation. Now, it does bring up another interesting question. When you're James Franklin and you're saying, hey, we have a competition at every position, if you end up starting Bo Prabula, what does that say? Now, I don't anticipate that's going to happen. But it says that, hey, this guy that we brought in as a five-star kid that we raved about, that we handed this, the backup job to, he earned it, I, I suppose, last year. But giving him that backup job cost them a guy who could have been the starter this fall in Christian Veyer, a, a guy who knew the system quite a bit better. So there's a lot of eggs in the Drew Aller basket this fall. And I have said this, you know, on the later episodes of the podcast in the spring, you know, into May, but this guy is the franchise. You could argue Olu this year, Olu Fashionu, probably the best player on the offense, maybe the best player on the team, maybe the best player in the Big Ten. You could argue Nick Singleton, most dynamic player. But if this team goes where it wants to go this year, which is, hey, a legitimate run at the college football playoff, a lot of things line up for them to be able to make that push. This is a, an elite level. This is probably a top 10 defense in all of college football. This is a running game behind an offensive line that has fewer questions they've had in probably a decade. They will protect the quarterback. But if the quarterback plays well, hey, this is a team that can that can make a lot of noise. And that quarterback's got to be Allen. And, and I say that with no no ill feelings about the type of player that, that Bo Perbula is. I just think Aller's a more talented one. If, if you saw him play last year, he has that it factor. Yeah, and, and everybody, obviously, listening to this podcast, watched every Penn State game last year, did so with intent and with, with a lot of hope that Aller would play probably a lot more than he did, but he, he threw 70 passes, something like that. And he, and he played very well, didn't throw an interception, made some plays happen on the move. Um, I, I think he's going to be a better game player than he's going to look in practice where everything's kind of, you, you know, you're looking for this to happen and that to happen. And you're working on some things. I think once the game, once he gets used to the flow of the game and being the guy in charge, Aller is, is a Ben Roethlisberger type that style of player where he's going to be very difficult to bring down in the pocket for his size. He doesn't look like he could run very well, but he's got a good head on his shoulders. He's got a feel for when to escape. He's got a feel for when to step up. He's going to gain yards where you don't see them. And he's got that gunslinger's not that that's McGloin. McGloin's the gunslinger. This guy's, this guy's the riverboat gambler. You know, he's, he's got the confidence in himself to be able to, and the arm, which is very important, and and the accuracy to be able to make those throws deep. I, I just think this guy is going to be the, the big difference for this team this year, one way or the other. The, maybe he develops into a, a, a really good quarterback and not a superstar. If he's a superstar, they can go to the playoff. They can win the playoff I, with that defense if he plays like a superstar. I think that's a lot to ask, but if he plays well, this team could do exactly what it did last year. But he's got a chance to turn Penn State from a pretty good offense into a really, really high level one. He's got a lot of weapons, you know, Keandre Lambert Smith, you know, we we've discussed him in the past, not a whole lot of consistency there, but he's got a lot of ability and, and, and I think he's hungry. I think he, I think he wants to erase those questions this year. Just listening to him kind of how he's, how he's approaching this camp. He has a lot of desire to show that he has another level to him. And I think he does. Forget about the receivers for a second. They have such good tight ends. The, you, know, you don't have to have three, four, four receivers out there when you have a couple of tight ends like Theo Johnson, uh, a guy like 
Tyler Warren. I think Khalil Dinkins is going to be really good. And then some of those freshmen, to me, are, are future stars. So Penn State's got a lot of weapons. And I think they, there's a, a case to be made that Allen and Singleton and Potts, when he's in there, I think, I think Potts would be a good third down guy. Those guys are going to have a lot more impact on the pass game this year than they had last season. And I'm talking numbers-wise. A lot more receptions. You know, so these are these are guys that defenses are going to have to watch. I, I think there's a lot more that this offense can be this year than as opposed to last year when you had freshmen who were trying to figure it out as they went along. And as, as good as those two guys are in the backfield, they were still trying to figure it out to a degree as they went along. They, they didn't have that game-breaking receiver last year. I, I know they're counting on one of those three guys from last year to do it this year with Lambert Smith. But I didn't think Tinsley was a game-breaker. Uh, didn't necessarily think Parker Washington was either, although he had that really great game against Ohio State and, and showed what he could what he could be. He didn't do that consistently either. So Penn State has a chance to be a lot better on offense this year. Now, there's some questions, and they do start at the quarterback position. There's no doubt about that. Special guest on the Penn State football podcast this week, Sam Freeman of the Citizen's Voice. You're used to hearing that yet? <laughs> no, I'm getting used to it now. It's been about a month. Um, you know, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Sam was uh, one of our more recent hires and at the time Shamrock family of newspapers and other communications types of venues that we have. But uh, yes, Sam has a lot of experience with, with Penn State. You were at Onward State last year? Yeah, yeah, I was on the, on the Penn State football beat with Onward State last season. Um, you know, we covered each game, we covered each practice, we went to the Rose Bowl, you know, all sorts of stuff. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get right into you know, kind of trying to preview this this team this year. I mean, it, every angle is covered so diligently by so many different outlets, but but it, it, there there are there are some basic kind of tenets that everybody has to go through when you look at this season and and we'll try to hit some of those and you know Penn State opens the season ranked number seven in the AP poll I didn't think they could be ranked any lower legitimately than number seven I thought there was possibilities they could have been ranked higher what, what do you think is, is seven too high too low just about where they should be yeah I, I you look at the AP poll and and certainly in week one you know you can have all sorts of discussions about you know what the merit of of the week one poll is you know that's a whole it's a whole different story. there is no merit to the poll right now right yes <laughs> i i 100 agree but given the fact that we have that week one poll um you know it's worth looking at and, and i look at the six teams ahead of penn state i think that's a better way of looking at it and in that top four you have what georgia michigan ohio state and bama you know, you look at Georgia, I don't think anybody, they're the unquestionable number one team in the country right now. You look at Michigan, you look at Ohio State. Could Penn State beat one or both of those teams? Absolutely. But, you know, we kind of have to see that before Penn State can be above them. And then it's hard to bet against Bama at four. So you look at LSU, you look at USC, and I don't hate Penn State sitting at that seven spot because USC – you know, is coming in off of a somewhat disappointing end of the season, losing the Pac-12 um, and losing to Tulane in the postseason. Um, but they're still returning Caleb Williams. They're still returning Lincoln Riley with that that offensive scheme. Um, so I, I get the argument there with USC above Penn State. I think the best case Penn State has for moving up a spot in that poll would be LSU. But then you start to look at maybe maybe some of the strength of schedule stuff. Um, you know, I'm certainly not one who believes the SEC is absolutely above the Big Ten. Sort of, you know, that's the big debate in college football, especially as expansion keeps coming. But, you know, you have the third best SEC team. You have the third best Big Ten team. You know, it's sort of a toss up there for me. I think if, if they played head to head right now, I would probably take Penn State over LSU. But I don't hate LSU being above them. Penn State being at seven, I think, is an OK spot. And sort of as we said, as the season continues, they'll either be higher or lower or remain in that spot. And there will be no, no arguing that fact. I, 
I would have had them at six. I'm glad I don't have a vote because I, I think the, the polls are stupid. <laughs> I, I really do, I, especially this early in the year. You don't get anything legitimate out of it, but they do have a say. I mean, it, it's hard to look at the look at the poll and say, hey, this is where where, where the experts, quote unquote, are, are putting these teams. And, you know, we as the committee, I, I don't know how they don't take that into consideration. But but I digress. I would have had them at six. Uh, I would have. I might have had him at five because I think you can make a case to put him ahead of Ohio State. Ohio State's in the same position. They're replacing a quarterback. There's a lot of questions there, but Ohio State's got so much talent at receiver. Penn State, I think, kind of middling there. Uh, I, I think they have potential, but Ohio State has flat-out playmakers. And if you have playmakers at, at the receiver position in college football, you're, you're a very good offense. I don't think you could even really argue the top four. But like you said, you could argue LSU – Definitely could argue LSU. I, I would think Penn State at home, maybe even on a neutral site, probably favored against LSU and, and, and a lot of a lot of books. So so I'm I'm gonna say you could argue that one. But USC's def I, I I don't understand USC. I and I and I, I get it on paper, they're the team in the country that probably has the best chance of going undefeated. They play in the weakest of the power five conferences, I'd say. Uh especially now. They're 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 decimated. <laughs> And, and and I think if this poll came out next year with these exact same teams, I think Penn State is probably number six because you're going to look at USC in a, in, in a in a much different light than that you, you look at them now with with the schedule that they have to play. But they do have Caleb Williams. They also had a such a bad end the last season that that I think that does disqualify him a bit. So so I I agree. I, I think I would have Penn State at six, but I don't think seven matters over six. I think fifteen matters over seven. Things like that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Penn State could have been grossly underranked in this this preseason poll um but you know they they they're i think they're they're in that tier of teams where they should be in the conversation with currently what position battle are you watching in camp i mean there's you know james franklin's made it very clear everybody's fighting for their jobs and and i and i get it i i, I in the introduction i kind of hinted at, at that we would be talking about this i think it, it's very important for him to make sure that those third and fourth guys on the depth chart know that if they play well, they could overtake the guys ahead of them. But there are some spots that there really is no battle. What's the true battle here you're looking at? Do you mean to tell me that quarterback is not a true position battle right now? (laughs) Now, Now, I think, I mean, obviously it is. Drowler's (laughs) never started a game, whatever. You You have to make him earn it and you have to make Bo Prabula be invested. And I and I get yeah. that. But if you start Bo Prabula over Aller, there's 50 <laughs> questions on, on opening day, and they're all about the quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I know it's not the answer to your question yet, but I understand him saying that. It's just it's fun to fun to uh to poke fun sometimes. It, it is. And, and and he brings it on like nobody else. <laughs> as, as for as for position battles that I'm confident exist. Um, you know, I would say right tackle um, on the offensive line between Caden Wallace returning um, and, and Drew Shelton. Um, when Olu Fashanu went down last season, uh, Drew Shelton, you know, surprised me the way that he slotted in at left tackle and performed at a pretty high level. I mean, you're never going to fully replace Olu, especially when he was probably a, a top 10, top five pick if he had left for the draft last year. But, you know, Drew did a great job at left tackle, especially for a, a true freshman. Um, so you have a really interesting situation at that right tackle spot between do you go with, you know, a veteran who has has played consistently, has played well, um, or do you go with the sort of newcomer that maybe has a higher ceiling? I don't think that's, that's that controversial of a take. Um, you know Drew Shelton is going to figure into this offensive line next season um you know as as the 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 unit starts to shake up i don't know that there's a bad option at that right tackle spot especially because penn state's in a position i don't remember the last time it was in where there's maybe too many offensive line players to to field at at the same time yeah Um, they're gonna have two they're gonna have two really good experienced offensive linemen on the bench yeah oh yeah and then and then that's not even mentioning you know, the, the, the freshmen that have come in with Williams and Birchmeyer and Jonka. I mean, it's a, it's a deep group. 
but I, I would say that right tackle spot, regardless of who ends up getting that start between Wallace and Shelton, they'll be like you said a, a great piece on the bench as well. Um, to to that you know that that Penn State likes to to rotate some guys in and out, and so maybe it doesn't matter more than than other position battles. But I, I'm very fascinated to see who ends up getting that that starting spot. I I would say this. The guy I've heard the most positive things about out of this camp has been Caden Wallace. I, I, it makes I it very interesting. It it, it does, I, and I, I I think there's a, a real case to be made to just play Shelton because it doesn't hurt to get him that that experience on the right side because you want the versatility. But I do think he's a natural left tackle, and and you said early on he was yeah how well he played last year. I think he was a huge surprise. Because I have, everything I had heard about him coming out of high school was, was that he was very raw, and he looked extremely polished to me. Uh, he did he did a great job. He, he even in at the Rose Bowl, where I thought he was going to have some some issues with with some bigger defensive linemen uh, who could really get after the passer, and had all season. I think he held his ground. I, he probably allowed a sack in the game, if I if I'm remembering, but but he held his ground and and, and he had a, a very acceptable performance. Really good against really good with the, in the run game. So I, I think there's a, a case to be made for Shelton to play, but I think Wallace is going to play. And one of them is going to, and Shelton's going to play left tackle quite a bit. Olu's not going to take every snap again this year. He's going to take the meaningful ones. And he's going <laughs> to be good, but he's not going to take them all. It's certainly a good problem to have for Penn State this season. Yeah. Do, do you want my unfun take on the position battle I'm watching closest? Oh yeah, it's bring kicker. it on! Oh, it's it's kicker. It, it, that is such an important spot, and Penn State has had the benefit in in years past of having a guy at all times who's played. I, and I I think maybe the year Tyler Davis took over was the the last year that you know who who's really going to take this spot. But I, I think everybody at that point thought uh, Davis is pretty good. I don't know if these two guys are any good. You know, Sahadak <laughs> is he's a scholarship guy. He's had some opportunities to get some jobs in, in the past. I mean, he could have been the, the long-range field goal kicker last year and didn't take it from Pinnaker, who's not a long-range kicker. He's a, he's a guy who's lost that job in the past. He didn't keep the kickoff job over Pinnaker. So I, I don't have a whole tremendous big bushel full of confidence that Sahadak's going to be an answer. And and, and Falcons is, is kind of one of those guys who I think comes in and out of the Ivy League again, out of Columbia, did a good job there, uh, but in, in the Big Ten and in the pressure, there's a lot of there's a lot of concerns I have about whether he's going to be able to make that adjustment. And and I I think the the way Penn State's played special teams last last couple of years, they've been very lucky to have the kickoff guys they've had. And that that helps a lot. It helps them play the way they could play because they're very aggressive. You have a guy who kicks off short against an aggressive coverage team, you're going to give up big plays. Oh, absolutely. And I think your points about Sahadak are are important ones. I mean, he if he was if they felt comfortable moving forward with Sahadak, maybe Falcons isn't that big of a deal. Maybe they don't go and 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 seek him out. But I don't know that Sahadak has shown and sure, maybe in, in camp things can change. You can always improve, you know, consistent he's he's still young, but I don't know that I've ever really felt like Sahadak brings an air of calm to the to that to that room. Um, if I had to guess, I'm saying Falcons um, is who wins that battle, just simply because they went out and and sought him. Um, but you know, like you said, I, I don't know that that's a a uh, a very inspiring group of of kickers at this point. It's going to be very interesting to me to see uh, coming getting off the topic a little bit how they approach building that position in the future because let's say they go Riley Thompson punter this year which I think is the plan you don't bring in an all-american guy to not punt and then let's say you go Falcons at kicker you have two scholarship guys who've been in the program for two years in Sahadak and Alex Baquetta who aren't playing and Baquetta was I mean he had as bad a blue white game as I've ever seen anybody have. <laughs> that was as bad an effort as as you could possibly have, he he shanked punts in the blue white game. It's it, it's it's shocking to me. As as for as good as he's supposed to be, 
So I I could see this. It, it, let's say Falcons and and Riley Thompson have the kind of season that people think they could have. Why would you ever give a scholarship? And it's the old Bill O'Brien line from from years ago. I would I would never give a scholarship to a specialist. And it, it makes sense to do it because you do that, you get Jordan Stout. But I I just don't see them doing that with the, with the amount of guys who are just lurking around in the transfer portal. You can bring in a guy like Falcons as a walk on. Yeah, I mean maybe that's that's got to be the plan sort of in the near term is keep going and finding these, these kickers and punters on these, you know, effectively one year rentals out of the transfer portal, because, um, you know, not every kicker and, and punter is going to be Jordan Stout or Blake Gillikin. You know, Penn state has been very fortunate to have some of those guys in the past and in the, in the recent past, but you even looking at, at Barney last season, you know, he had he had flashes of of excellence, and then other fl- you know the Rutgers game he gets pulled, and of course he goes back in because Biketta gets pulled. But you know, it, I I think that last season underscored a a a potential problem in the specialist room for Penn State, and it'll be interesting, like you said, to see if that continues to be a problem this season, or if if that you know maybe maybe it's it's just a. Uh, it's just a misstep. Who, who who's the guy that's not getting enough attention in camp? Uh, there, there, there's a couple. Of, everybody talks quarterbacks. Nick Singleton's going to get a lot of attention. Uh, there, there's guys out there not getting the attention they deserve. Who's the one guy that you think is going to have a big season that no one's talking about? Yeah, it's interesting, um, especially with Penn State. It feels like a lot of the the media members and a lot of the fans are, are very interested in in a lot of positions that maybe other programs aren't. Um, so it's hard sometimes to come up with people that aren't being talked about. Um, so, so, you know, maybe from a comparative point, I'll say Johnny Dixon um, at cornerback. You know, he's certainly been talked about to some degree, but Kalen King has really dominated the conversation as, you know, a, a potential first round projected cornerback. Um, Kalen obviously played excellent last season. With, with the absence of Joey Porter, Johnny Dixon, of course, you're never going to replace a a first round talent in Joey Porter, but the way Dixon played down the stretch last season, it feels like it's it's not that big of a of a step back. Don't get me wrong, Porter is 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 a um, he was a a cornerstone of that defense last season, but I think Johnny Dixon brings a sort of energy to that cornerback room that that will will help them reset even with this big absence in the transfer portal era, you could make a real argument that Johnny Dixon's the best player Penn state's gotten. Oh, it's, it's, it's certainly a, a conversation. I'm, I'm going, and this is an easy one. I'm, I'm chickening out again. I, Curtis Jacobs <laughs> is playing where he should play now. Last year he was a, they moved him into the box. I thought he had a nice season, but he can make a real impact at the, on the outside there at the Sam. So I'm going Jacobs because you're, you're really looking at that. That's the spot Sutherland played last year. There's a big jump up from Sutherland to Curtis Jacobs. I, I, that's a spot where Penn State is going to get a lot more production. So I'm going, the guy nobody's talking about is Jacobs because everybody talks about Abdul Carter. And then to, if if you're not talking about Carter at the linebacking core, some people, I guess you're looking at who's going to win that, that, that middle linebacker spot between Elston and, Kobe King, but if if Jacobs stays at the spot he should be at for the whole year, he, he could be he could be an outstanding player, and he could be a first round player in the draft. I, I think he's that good in that spot because NFL teams look for that kind of guy. So I, I think it's going to be a, a big season for for Curtis Jacobs, who I, I you know I, I think there's some people who forgot he's there. Yeah, Jacobs is an interesting one because. He's he's a long-term veteran of this team. He's had excellent seasons in the past. And yet you're right, he does sort of fly under the radar among some of the flashier players on this defense. I, I thought Jacobs played well last season. Um, but you're right. The difference between a Jonathan Sutherland at, at the linebacker position and a Curtis Jacobs is a massive step up. Yeah, speed, athleticism. I I, I think it's just a... And he's got the experience of having played inside. Now he can he can call the defense. He's a he's a guy that 
I, I, I'm just, I, I think is a, as a big chance this year to, to step up. So we're probably now that we're staying, now that we're talking about linebackers and, and I think this might be a guy we talk about, but freshmen, <laughs> freshmen who are going to make a big impact. I think everybody talks about the Rojas kid. Uh, yeah. I, 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 I think he's a, a tremendous, tremendous talent. Um, one of those guys you see his high school film and you you wonder how he actually did it because he's taking, he's, he's not only he's playing every down, both sides of the ball made every tackle for his team and carried the ball every day. <laughs> the guy's always <laughs> at, near the ball. Uh, so I, I guess I'm going to go, I, I'm going to go Rojas, I guess for, for freshmen that could, could make the biggest impact. Do, do you have a, a, a different guy in mind? I think there's a few. Yeah, I definitely think there's a there's a few candidates for for freshmen that could break out this season, but it's hard to go anywhere but Rojas. Um, I hate to I hate to sort of beat a dead horse with that, but the way Manny Diaz rotates guys in and out of that defense, I think Rojas is easily the the number one most likely to burn his red shirt next season. Um, you know, Diaz showed a a willingness to play Abdul Carter early and often last season. And to me, there's no doubt in my mind that, that he'll find a, a role for, for Rojas. There, there's too many athletic gifts that he has for him to not be on the field, honestly, in a meaningful capacity. You know, I, I think we'll probably look at, at the linebacking core at the end of the season and, you know, feel even better than, you know, maybe, maybe people felt coming in. Best they've had in years there, I mean, depth wise, uh, quality of athlete wise, experience wise. This is, this is the best linebacking room they've had in a in, in a long while, and I think everybody can come back next year, other than than Jacobs. Uh, and I I don't think anyone could actually leave. I, I, they could. I mean, Deluca could leave, <laughs> but but it, yeah. you know, it, it, it's not like Abdul Carter could walk out. You know, right? This is this is going to be a very good group next year. <laughs> it, it, we're gonna. This is this is what everybody's going to be writing about. So we might as well talk about it now while nobody else is. But some of the <laughs> other freshmen, Elliot Washington, he could he could play. He could he could he could be the slot corner, the 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 nickel guy if if Daquan Hardy can't be out there for whatever reason. He, he, I think he's going to play a lot of corner. I think he'll burn the red shirt. Uh, but but definitely the guy who's unquestionably going to play, he's going to play 20 snaps, I would guess, against West Virginia is, is Rojas. So so I, I think we're both on the same page with the, with the freshman who will make the big <laughs> impact. We both think they're going to beat West Virginia. But <laughs> I, I'm assuming you think they're going to beat West Virginia. But, but yeah, we're going to just go right ahead and talk about the two games that everyone talks about. Ohio State on the road, Michigan at home. What's the game they're more likely to win out of those two? Yeah, I mean, I'm last season, I said that Penn State was more likely to take down Ohio State than they were Michigan. I certainly did not expect how badly Penn State got beat by Michigan, but I, I, I think I got to stick with that this season. I know that the the location flips you know they get Michigan at home they have Ohio State on the road but I, I just feel like Ohio State is in a is in a little bit of a, uh, a I don't want to say vulnerable spot it's it's hard to ever say Ohio State is vulnerable but you know a new court just like you said earlier they, they're bringing in a new quarterback and State's bringing in a new quarterback there there's there's a little bit of a an even head-to-head at that position probably for the first time in a while and sure, Ohio State has has you know players like Marvin Harrison Jr., who's quite possibly the best player in college football uh, writ large. But you know, I think Penn State is built currently with with speed, with finesse, you know, with all these things that Ohio State brings. I think they match up pretty well in that regard. Michigan, I, I still go back to I go back to that game last season, and and Franklin was talking about it. Diaz was talking about it. The, the trench battles on defense, you know, the, the, the Penn State has gotten bigger on that that front four. There's no question about that. Vandenberg, um, you know, looking at the, the, the weight difference that he's had. Um, but still, I, I just think it's a year early to, to call on Michigan. Michigan's returning a lot of good players. So I, I would say Ohio State. There's, there's a, certainly a scenario where they beat both. There's certainly a scenario where they lose both. 
Um, but if I had to pick one or the other, I think I'm going Ohio State just for the current the current environment that they're in. Um, I, I thought we'd have this back and forth because I I think it's much more likely they win at on the road at Ohio State, and, and and for a couple of reasons, they never play well at Michigan. What happened last year at Michigan is what happens at Michigan with this team. They just don't. <laughs> in 2016, they went up there and, and played as badly as you can. They never get it going offensively. They're always out muscled out toughed at, at Michigan happens all the time, but they play well at Ohio state They're They've lost at Ohio state and, and outside of Michigan, everybody has lost at Ohio state, but Penn state's probably played even, even with Michigan, even with Michigan winning there, I would say over the last six years, the team that's played the best at Ohio state is Penn state because they're always within a play. A couple of years ago, they went out there with a, with a team that wasn't all that great. And they're probably a, a player to a way that the, the they make stupid mistakes. You know, the, the, the fumble, you know, the, the, the strip sack fumble uh, a couple of years ago in, in, in 2021 cost them the game. They make mistakes like that at Ohio State, and that hurts them. But if they can avoid those mistakes, they make those mistakes at home. I don't think there's much difference playing at Ohio State or at Beaver Stadium when you're playing the Buckeyes. I think there's a tremendous difference, though, when you play Michigan at Beaver Stadium. Michigan does not play great there. It's it's one of those weird scenarios where both those programs play not great on the road against each other. But that said, Michigan, with their experience, I, I don't think they're going to come into Beaver Stadium and be intimidated. They're going to be ready for that. They're that That's later in the year. They're going to be heading toward peaking at that point. I, I think Michigan comes in and, and, and beats Penn State. But I think Penn State has a real shot at, at Ohio State this year. Uh, and and I think that's the game. If, if if they could get that one, that you could start talking playoff. Well, and even looking at last season, you know, I know the final score didn't reflect it. I think you know they they were de- Penn State lost by multiple scores to Ohio State. They should have won that game. Absolutely, I, I don't think the final score really told the whole story. Now, Penn State made their bed, and they they sort of had to lie in it with with the mistakes they made down the stretch. But I I think they were winning with eight minutes remaining in the game, if I'm not mistaken, before it all sort of fell apart. They had an offensive line injury that, you know, and Bryce Effner just got, you know, manhandled multiple times in key moments. I think that if they can limit mistakes against Ohio State, you know, they they, they can absolutely bring the Buckeyes down. But that's been the biggest question through the last however many seasons is – yeah, if, if they can limit mistakes, they can beat them. But are they going to limit those mistakes? It'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Is there a potential for a trap game? I think we're all looking at could they beat Ohio State or Michigan? Then if they do, if they win one of those two games and they're eleven and one and they're on their way, is there a team that could beat Penn State on the schedule? Well, it's hard to say that I would bet on any of these non-Ohio State or Michigan teams to defeat Penn State. However, it is college football. It is Penn State. Anybody can beat anybody on any given week. Um, you know, do I expect Delaware or UMass to beat Penn State? No, I don't. I don't even think UMass or Delaware. Are UMass that. will not be beating Penn State this week. <laughs> yes, I will. I will plant my flag on that one. You heard it here first. Penn State will not lose to UMass. Breaking news. Um, an interesting one is, and I know Penn State fans are probably going to wince at this. I think Illinois. Oh, you got me a, again because that's the trap game. <laughs> I really, I really think that's the that's the biggest threat they have. You know, it's it's again starting Big Ten conference play on the road. It's going back into Illinois with with thoughts of the nine overtime loss, perhaps emanating in some of the the from the from the veterans' heads. Um, I think there's an opportunity where Penn State is looking ahead. You know, I don't think they're going to face a particularly strong challenge from West Virginia. I don't think they're going to face a particularly strong challenge from Delaware. It's the first road game. It's a conference game. People always get up for conference games. And there's a little bit of a history there. And Illinois, you know, for the last couple of years, they've played spoiler to to a lot of different teams. If, if you had to make a prediction right now, I think Penn State wins that game. But if they're going to lose one, that's the one that I think it's going to be. I've heard Maryland a little bit. I don't really buy that one. I, I think that that Drew is still Drew Aller is still going to be three games into his his starting experience. Um, 
you know, perhaps there's an early mistake and confidence gets shaken. There's a lot of different ways that that that, that breakdown can happen. Very difficult team to play. That's a, a different style of, of opponent. They're going to have a good game plan. They're going to have a, a solid approach. They're going to be legitimately very good on defense. Their two tackles, Randolph and Newton, are going to be extremely highly touted players this year. They are preseason All-American types. They're going to run the ball. They're going to limit opportunities on offense for Penn State. I, I just think that game being the third game, as you mentioned, first game on the road for Aller, noon game on a Saturday, those are always a little bit difficult when you're playing. Yeah, you got. I think you got a three thirty the week before, and I think you got a, a prime time on a, on and the opener. It's a little bit different of a routine. I think that could trip up Penn State, and I'm not saying it will. I don't. I, I think Penn State should beat Illinois. They should be able to go on the road and beat Illinois if you're a good program, and 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 they are. The true definition of a trap game on this schedule is not UMass this year. It is Illinois. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's that's definitely right on target. Yeah, yeah, my son's going to UMass this year, so I'm going to take some <laughs> shots at, at UMass. So, so it'll be uh, <laughs> that's going to be fun for the first six games this year. Brett McMurphy, my old buddy from the Action Network. I don't even know what the Action Network is, but it sounds great. <laughs> uh, he he released he did something ridiculous. He released the preseason bowl projections. I I, I think those are hysterical because yeah. You know, <laughs> Who cares is going to the Cheez-It Bowl in <laughs> August, but Brett McMurphy does. So he's, he released the preseason bowl projections, and he has, for Penn State, a matchup with Clemson in the Orange Bowl. Ohio State to the college football playoff, Michigan to the college football playoff. So what Brett McMurphy is essentially saying is Penn State's going to have the same season it did in 2023 as it did in 2022 when they lost to Michigan and Ohio State and went to the Rose Bowl. Except this time they're going to the Orange Bowl. So let me ask you this, Sam. If it, if that's the way it goes, how upset are Penn State fans going to be? Well, I guess there's two different ways to answer this question. The first one is, how upset will Penn State fans be? The second is, how upset should they be? Correct. I think, I think Penn State fans will probably be pretty upset. Um, you know, I think expectations are very high this season, um, especially in a in a season where there's a perceived upgrade at quarterback. There were a lot of you know a lot of calls for Drew Aller last season um, in a ten win season. So I imagine carrying that over means you know Penn State fans are 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 expecting you know an eleven and one, a twelve and zero sort of campaign. And to a point, that's understandable. I mean. Penn State dropping the the Michigan and Ohio State games is a tradition like no other as of late. But that said, I, I think the context is very different this season. You know, last season, now I, I also don't understand people being upset about a 10-2 season last year because I, I think a lot of pundits were suggesting that that was not even on the table. Um, I think that, that compared to preseason expectations, they overachieved. Um, and sure, this season maybe that that would be an underachievement of of preseason expectations. But let's have this conversation next season, if that's the case. Drew Aller is is entering his first full season as 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 starter. We assume. Um, you know, <laughs> you can never everywhere tell. outside of York. <laughs> um, and 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 I, I just think that there's a lot of variability. It's it's very hard to play quarterback, period. It's very hard to play quarterback in the Big Ten. And it's very hard to play quarterback in the Big Ten East. He's going to have to go up against Michigan and Ohio State in his first year as a, as a, as a starter. And, and, and that's not to mention all the other Big Ten teams that he's going to have to face off with at home and on the road. Like we said earlier, starting, starting his, his Big Ten career as a starter on the road against Illinois. Now, that said, you know, I... I have them at at eleven wins this season. Um, you know, I I think I, I I can I see them stealing that win from Ohio State. Um, but if if they didn't hit that mark, I I I would be surprised if you know there there was there was a a widespread outrage about about the season. Um, I I definitely think there will be pockets, but you know I I really think that next season is is their their 
that that's that's the breaking point, right? If if, if they go ten and two two seasons in a row, still ten win ten win seasons, they're great. They're they're hard to achieve, but you know, I I think there's a lot of a lot of new faces in key positions this season. Um, so I don't know. I agree with ninety nine point nine percent of what you said because of course ten and two was a good college football season. It puts you in the top ten. If you have a ten and two season in the Big Ten East. You're a top 10 program in the country. Penn State's been there. That is probably the level they're at, and there's no shame at all in being a top 10 program. And I get it. People want to go to the next level. But I think everybody who's followed the program for for years now thought that 2024 was where was the season that if, if you're going to put some truth serum into Frank, one of the coaches, and said, <laughs> when are you really going to be a, a national championship contender, they'd circle 2024. Now, one thing, one thing about that is number one, I think if they go 10 and two this season, I, I, I think there will be minds lost because <laughs> it will be the same thing. And, and you're, you're going to hear, because I was shocked last year that people were disappointed with 10 and two. I, I, I really was because I thought that was as good a result as you could possibly have. I, I didn't think they were going to beat Ohio state last season. I think I predicted they'd beat Michigan, but I underrated Michigan. I I, I was, I was completely off on them. I'm not going to do that again this year. Michigan's a very, very good program. They could do enough on offense to beat teams. They out muscle you. They had the game at home should have picked. I, that was the wrong pick. And it, it was obvious, but Penn state didn't just beat everybody else. They kind of manhandled everybody else. So that's really the competition where, where people are going to say, what what are we as a program as a Penn State fan? What is my what is my program at? Well, they're not as good as Ohio State or Michigan. Now we have Drew Aller. Are we going to take that next step up? And I don't think I, I you know I don't think not beating those teams is is a huge deal. I I I I think it is to people. So I think there will be minds lost. But I think at this stage, first year Aller, I don't expect Aller this year will be better than Clifford was last year. I think at some point, Aller's going to be better than Clifford. I think next September, he'll be better than Clifford. But I think right now, I think that's a lot to ask for him to come in, never having started a game, and be better than your all-time leading passer. But I I, I do believe this as well. While 2024 is a season everybody probably has circled, I think 2023 is their best shot to win the national championship. Next year, everybody thinks, oh, you're, you're... they're they're expanding and it's it's going to be easier to get in. Yeah, it's going to be easier to get in, but it's going to be harder to win. You have you don't have to win unless you're one of the top four seeds. You now have to win three straight games. Now it doesn't matter anymore if you beat Michigan or Ohio State, as long as you beat everybody else. But now you have to beat. Uh, let's say you're the let's say you're the 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 five seed. Now you have to beat the twelve the number twelve team in the country. That's not easy to do. It, or let's say you're the number 12, you have to beat the number five seed in the country. It, it, it's 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 a very difficult path, I think, in the 12-team field. But if you're in the four-team field, all you have to do is win once. Then you're in the championship <laughs> and anything can happen. Now, does it usually happen? No. This is not – it's not baseball where, you know, it, 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 one guy could change everything or you know, another sport like that. You, know, you, get, you get Steph Curry shooting 15 three-pointers, changes everything. Football, you know, what what happened in the national championship game last year possibly is going to happen to you in the championship game. But you can go in for sure with four weeks off and, and, and knock off the number one or two team in the country, even if you're the, the third or fourth seed. So I think this year, if Penn State can get in this year, they have this is their best shot at it. You look at the defense they have. They're not going to have this defense next year. Kalen King's not going to be back. Dixon's not going to be back. They're going to have to replace some players at, at that position. They're not going to be as good there next year. They're not. They're, they might not be as good up front next year. Uh, they're going to have some players, but they're not going to have Olu. So I, I, I think at some key positions that they'll have Aller. They'll have probably be better at receiver. Probably be better at running back even. But offense. This will be a very different team next year than they are right now. But I, you, you look at what wins national championships, defense. Defense wins championships. And I, I know that's an old saying, but when you're this good up front, and Penn State's really good up front this year, that's your best shot. I, I think 
if Penn State doesn't beat Ohio State or Michigan this year, they do in a way forfeit their best team. No, I think I think that's a great a great point. Once you're in, you just have to get hot. I mean, that's that's all it is. Were people expecting TCU to take down Michigan in in the semifinal? I'm I'm saying probably not, but they did. And then when that happened, <laughs> were they expecting you know the result in the national championship? That <laughs> probably not. Um, I, I think that's an interesting point about the 12 team playoff. It is a little bit more of a gauntlet, but it, it'll be interesting to see what they return next season. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what foundation they're working from, right? I think we're having maybe a different conversation if they finish at 11 and one and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, even if they have a, 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 an obvious exit from the semifinal or something, there, there's, there's a different sort of foundation you're working with. It's certainly different if they lose three games. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think that Penn state fans should be, you, you just have to look around the college football landscape, right? Oklahoma for a long time was Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts. And now, and of course, you know, you have a coach leave and everything like that, but you know, ask the people in Norman if they want a 10 win season. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's, things change quickly and sometimes not moving forward is a positive, you know, not certainly you always want to be moving forward, but, but in, in, in the final record, right. Going 10 and two to 10 and two, there's still progress being made. It, it's a very different, it's not a sixth year quarterback taking you to 10 and two. It's a sophomore quarterback taking you to 10 and two. It's, it's, you know, it's an offensive line that's been revamped and, and, and freshmen sitting behind the starters learning from a, a, a different class of athlete and things like that. I, I think it's, it's a very different context this season for, for fans. To have a, a, a program that wins 10 games pretty regularly is underrated because you look at Alabama and they win 10 games and that's a disappointment. And probably the same thing with, with Georgia. If they lost two games, that would be a real disappointing season for Georgia. And that's the level everybody wants to be at. And Michigan's gotten to that level and Ohio state's been at that level. In, in the Big Ten, but it's it's like having an ace pitcher in in baseball. Everybody's all oh, everyone's got their number one starter, so he's the ace. But there really are a lot fewer ace pitchers than there are number one guys. So when you have that guy who leads your program to ten wins with a, with relative consistency, that puts you in the conversation. I think Penn State's there with James Franklin, but there is a a a danger there in thinking, oh, how do we get to the next level? Who gets us there? And you don't have that that type of coach you think that could do it doesn't necessarily get you there. So I I, I agree with the fact that hey if you, if you go ten and two this year, is that a disappointment? It shouldn't be. It's it can't be. You're ten and two, and and the and the in the most difficult division in in college football. I think by a by a good mile now in in, in the Big Ten East I, I, because you you have. You have a pretty good pro. Look at Maryland. I think Maryland and a lot of you put Maryland in the West. They might they they might win the West. I don't think that's out of the question with their offense and the way they that they could play. I mean, they'd be the best offense in the in, in the division. And nobody talks about Maryland in the East outside of to say that they have Tua's brother, and you know he's dangerous, <laughs> but he's not dangerous enough to beat any of the three teams ahead of him. So doesn't really matter. But but those three teams make that a, a, such a such a gauntlet within the within the season and then you get to next year where you have a gauntlet to win the cha- it, it, I, I see the championship being being more difficult to, starting next year so that that's right I, I think it's it's interesting I would not consider it a disappointment if if I'm Penn State and I go 10 and two but do I do I lose a good chance to win the championship yeah it, it, it's it's a really interesting balance that they're going to have to strike this year when they face Ohio state and Michigan, because you're, you're at this point now where not doing so is a story. And really is it no, nobody else in the country would beat those two. There's nobody else in the, in the division that's going to beat either of those two teams. You would think on, on a, on a semi-regular basis, but that's the level Penn state fans want Penn state at. And I think it's a fair level to expect. And I think Penn state wants to be at that level. Of course. And they need to get to that level. 
whether whether that's this year or next year or, or, or whenever. But it, it is it is a very big ask to to be that good in, in, in college football because really you, you, you look at all these teams talking national champ. What what are our championship hopes? USC is going to talk championship hopes. USC has no chance to win the national championship this year because they're going to have to beat a team that's way better than them to do it. <laughs> And, and and that's just a fact. I don't care if you have Caleb Williams or not. You, they're just gonna have to beat somebody that's way better than them. They couldn't get it. They couldn't get it together to beat Tulane. So at, at, at this point in the season, how many team, how many teams out there could, how many programs are gonna win a national championship? Could possibly do it. You might be talking four, might maybe five. Is Penn State one of those five? We'll see. Well, yeah, and I think your point about about those top tier programs is a great one, right? I mean, Clemson just. You know, four years ago mm-hmm. was an obvious number one, number two, number three. They were in that one A tier, and now they're sitting at I think nine in the AP poll. Yep. And, and of course, it's the preseason poll that doesn't really matter. But you know, it, it things change quickly, and and there can only be so many teams who are in that one A tier at any given point. And right now, there's two in the Big Ten East, like you said, and. Who knows? Maybe this season is is the season where Ohio State has that, you know, little bit of a step back with with with, with their different personnel and things like that. But you know, it, it's it's there's there's so many variables in college football that I mean, I, I get it, man. Like you lose to Ohio State and Michigan every year as a Penn State fan, you're probably upset. But it is what it is at a certain point. I mean. You, you you have a, a sophomore quarterback. You have the program. The program is the same program, right? Like Penn State is Penn State, but every four years, Penn State is an entirely different group of Penn State players, and, and I think that's a a a fact that is overlooked often in some of the discourse around some of these programs. Look at Clemson. You mentioned Clemson, number nine. They're probably not one of those teams, but they for for a decade were. What makes what made Clemson? Uh, a, a top four program, they had Deshaun Watson and Tre- uh, Trevor Lawrence. Now, does Penn State have Trevor Lawrence or Deshaun Watson? Now, that may be just the same question as is <laughs> can they win the championship? Do they have the quarterback that can get them there? And I, I, I think they believe they do, but we'll see next weekend when they host in prime time, much to my chagrin, West Virginia, opening <laughs> the season on September second. Sam Freeman from the Citizens Voice. Welcome to the Time Shamrock family, and we'll be talking to you again many times this season, I'm sure. Thank you very much. I'm happy to do this. Thankfully, the light in the back of the room here has stopped flickering. I have no idea what changed, but I feel now as if a lot more focused on the uh, the task at hand. But with that focus renewed, we are going to end the show today with kind of a breakdown of the Northeastern Pennsylvania natives slash players with ties to the area on the roster. And some of them are going to play this year. Some of them are going to play quite a bit. And we're going to start off with the two, I think, that have the best chance of starting. Tyler Elsden from Frackville. Uh, North Schuylkill grad uh, down in the coal region. He started last year, of course, at middle linebacker. And I thought he had a, a really nice season coming uh, kind of in his first year as a starter, had some, had some ups and downs, you know, all year you, you could, you could say Elston got better as it went on. It was a more effective player, 44 tackles, three for loss. He had a sack. He, he just, just a good solid player, but he's going to be, in a real battle for playing time this year. And, he, and and that might be the position on the field where I, I would guess that you're going to see a different starter at some points during the season, rotating between two different guys where it, it's that close between him and, and Kobe King, Kobe King. I, I thought he came on real strong last year as well. Played very well down the stretch, had a really good spring game. So I, I think King is a guy who, is is going to really push for playing time this year, but is they're they're two different players to me. Ellison's a guy; he really makes his his money there, knowing the system, being in the right place at the right time, knowing the calls, b- 
being vocal, getting in and, and, and getting his hands dirty, getting his, his nose in the, in, in the running game and kind of trying to just be right place, right time and being a good communicator. He missed the spring with an injury. He thought that made him a better player. I talked to him at media day. He he thought that could that, that that he learned some weaknesses about his game by communicating with some of the younger guys in 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 the spring. So it'll be very interesting to see how that helps him. But I think he's got he's probably going to be the starter on opening day, I would guess. But King is is really coming on in camp, and and I think that's going to be a, a a strict position split playing time right down the middle between Elston and King uh, this season as as it moves on with with King really pushing for a starting spot. The other guy from the area I think will start on opening day is the left guard, J.B. Nelson out of Lackawanna. He, he, had, a, he had a really good run at, at Lackawanna for Coach Mark Duda. Uh, he's a he's a tremendous uh, backup last year. He, he came in for a game uh, after Hunter Norzad got hurt in the first series, played the played the entire game after that, and I thought he was dominant. And he's he's a guy that they love in, in the offensive line room as a guy who could play tackle, could play guard. I think he's going to be the opening day guard. Landon Tangwall's been batting, battling some, some bumps and bruises. I think Tangwall won't be ready, or, or if he is, he won't play a whole ton. But I, I think Nelson's put himself in a position to – to claim that starting spot at left guard. So Lackawanna's J.B. Nelson and the the middle linebacker Tyler Elson out of North Schuylkill. I think those are the two guys from our area up here in, in, in northeastern Pennsylvania who have the, the best chance to compete for, for starting spots. There are some others on the roster, of course, who are going to be, I think, guys you could look at as as potentially contributors this year. London Montgomery, the running back from prep. A lot of people asking me for an update on him. I I, I don't think the plan this year is for Montgomery to be a a regular contributor. I I think they really want to use Singleton and Allen, get the most out of them when they're out, when when, when there's a blowout game or they got some bumps and bruises or or whatever. Give them a rest, use Trey Potts. I think Cam Wallace is the other true freshman running back on, on the team. Um, I, I think they'll use Tank Smith uh, even ahead of those two guys. I, I think they, with with London Montgomery coming off the the ACL tear last year, the cost him his senior season at prep, I, I think they want to play it a little more cautiously, get him kind of acclimated to the system, get him acclimated to the school, and then see what he can do next year. I, he might play in four games. He might get in there. But I don't think Montgomery is going to be a an every game contributing type of player for for Penn State this fall, and I don't think he was designed to be that way. He's he's he was a tremendous tremendous talent at at, at Scranton Prep. Don't get me wrong, but he's he's got some weight to add. He could work on his speed. There, th- this guy's got the, this guy's got a lot of potential. I I, I would be very interested to see where he goes but i don't think he's an a, a day one contributor in in a, in a meaningful way in close games for penn state dom deluca another guy here who i think he's he's got a chance to to play a lot uh he's definitely going to be a he's he's a captain on special teams obviously we'll 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 talk more about deluca as the season goes on he's a, he's a major player for this team he's a he's a Real contributor in the in the locker room. The the kids love him. Uh, team captain, as I mentioned, but I I think he's definitely going to be a, a starter on the coverage teams. Uh, he's he's described as by by Stacy Collins, the the special teams coordinator, as an elite coverage guy. The way he could split defenders, uh, find the ball carrier. The Luca is going to be a a major major contributor. He might wear the number zero on on, on opening day as, as as a special teams guy. But he's going to be behind Curtis Jacobs at, at the linebacker position. But he he will get his snaps there. He he will get backup reps at, at linebacker, and it'll be very interesting to see if next year he could hold off some of those younger guys and and hold on to that starting job, which he may be able to have for two years. What what a career that would be! You're starting linebacker for two years if you're Deluca, special teams Maven. That's a that's an interesting that's an interesting run for a walk on kid. Speaking of walk-ons from Wyoming area, uh, Blaze Socatch Minnick, he'll be the backup long snapper behind Tyler Desansky this year. 
how much he gets in, who knows, probably in some blowouts, he'll, he'll get some, he'll get some run, but they love Dzanski. So I, I think he's got that, that starting job uh, locked up, but so catch Minnick is just starting his redshirt freshman season. So obviously big plans for him down the road, Joey Palco, freshman defensive end walk on from Pottsville, uh, obviously going to be a, going to be a developmental squad contributor this year. The other kid from Lackawanna, Tyrese Mills, he's moved back to safety. He's interesting uh, because he, they moved him to linebacker last season. He really struggled there. Did not, I don't think, play as, as well as he could have at linebacker, and then he got hurt, really didn't get into it. They've moved him back to safety. I think that's kind of where he fits. Is he a Jair Brown type of safety? Is he a Jaquan Brisker type of safety coming out of, of Lackawanna? I don't know, but he, he'll be in the conversation for, for the second or third team there. Uh, but I, I, I don't know how much action you're going to get there because those top four guys are, are, are pretty good with, with KJ Winston really pushing the starters, uh, which, which look to be Jalen Reed and Keaton Ellis this year. And, and of course, Zachy Wheatley is in there as well. So trying to work his way in there this year will be Tyrese Mills. And, and and that pretty much is is what you're looking at from a northeastern Pennsylvania perspective on on this roster this year. Uh, more and more kids every year from the area are, are, are getting their chance to to compete for Penn State, and that's a great thing for for District Two high school football for Lackawanna. Definitely, that's they made there been a lot of conversation about Lackawanna over the years, and I think JB Nelson will continue that this year. But for area fans who might not be Penn State fans, but are local high school football fans, local college scene fans at the Division Three and junior college level. Still a lot to watch with, with Penn State this season. I want to thank you all for joining us this week on the Penn State and Football Podcast. This is Donnie Collins. I want to thank Sam Freeman again for joining us. And next week we'll get into some Penn State versus West Virginia conversation. It'll be a be a fun kind of leading into football season next week. Fin- finally here after a, a long off season, the Rose bowl is as far in the distance as it could be with the 2023 season getting started. It should be a fun one. Thank you all so much for joining us and we'll talk to you again next week.